You're listening to the Habitology podcast with Melanie White and today I want to talk about sleep hacking. I know this is a little different than what I've been podcasting for the last while but I feel like this is a really important thing to talk about, excuse me, especially for people who are in the coaching world and working with clients or running a business and perhaps struggling with their own sleep issues, going through menopause or perhaps you're just here listening for fun, I think all of us at some time struggle with sleep and I want to share with you something that I've been working on recently just to help me with uh, overcoming insomnia. So this episode is all about that. A little bit of backstory is that I've had insomnia for most of my life at some point off and on. And for me, there's a clear correlation with how much stress is going on in my life. But with the onset of perimenopause for me about 18 months ago, this has really ramped up and there are other things that are causing me to wake up in the night, such as night sweats and even certain things that I've eaten or drunk. So there are things that are waking me up, but I'm also have been struggling to stay, go back to sleep. So I've been on a mission to hack my sleep. I'm going back to my roots. (laughs) And that is biohacking is something that I've been interested in and playing around with for many years, but I just haven't really spoken about it much in the last couple of years. If you're not aware, biohacking is where you make small tweaks to your daily habits to improve certain areas of your health or your life. That's a simple definition. And so I'm going to share with you today what I've been doing and what I'm going to do next and how it's all working, just so that you can get your own ideas for hacking sleep for yourself or perhaps the clients that you're working with, and that you can understand how complex habit change really is. If you think about any habit that you want to form, it's easy to think about the fact that you need to do a certain couple of steps and that's it. But it's not that simple. And this is a really great example of that. Also, please remember that everybody's different and has their own unique and individual formula for improving sleep or any other area of well-being. So what's working for me right now may not work for you, but it could be worth trying. The approach that you take to remedy your sleep and the hacks that you decide to use will depend on what's causing your lack of sleep. So let's talk about where this started and where things changed. My catalyst to really get back into biohacking was the onset of perimenopause about 18 months ago when a whole bunch of things changed for me. One of the first things that I noticed, and obviously this is in response to a hormonal shift, was that my anxiety increased I felt tension in my chest. I started to worry about things more. I had racing thoughts uh, and I was concerned about all sorts of things, whether I could get things done, whether I had the same capacity. And I think part of this was related to the fact that I was a bit foggy-headed, not able to retain or remember as much as I normally would. Uh, I was feeling tired and lacking clarity, so I wasn't as productive as normal. I really noticed that shift over a few weeks. And I developed insomnia again after many years without it. And I've also started experiencing night sweats, which was part of that problem. 
So obviously things had been tickety-boo until then and this sudden shift caused me to rethink everything I was doing. And through self-observation, I realised the links between these things and that they tended to make each other worse. So the more anxious I became, the less I slept, and the less I slept, the more prone to anxiety I was, and the worse my night sweats were, the less I slept. So all of those things were going on, and obviously none of them are good for mental health or well-being or productivity or health generally. On top of the fact that we'd been through bushfires and the pandemic and all of that, during and after that period has been really difficult. So I was really motivated to experiment and make changes. One thing I know for sure, and you're totally going to agree with me on this, that a lack of sleep tends to make you grumpy, (laughs) which is yuck. It tends to make you crave certain foods, particularly sweet foods, and you may feel too lethargic to exercise. Now, I know this happens for a lot of women around menopause, but it can also happen to people who are undergoing chronic stress. Having been through burnout, I recognise these things from that perspective as well. All of those things started happening to me and I decided to tackle a few things. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. Um, I'm going to cover a few elements and I'm particularly going to start with supplements and then move on to stress and then food and drink. And I'll talk about some other things in another episode. So I started the process of unpacking all of this experimenting with supplementing. And the reason I started here because it was the easiest and fastest way for me to effect change. I knew that it would be very simple to find some formulas and take them without having to disrupt too much in my life. And I've been taking supplements for years, 20 years probably, and I cycle on and off them and I haven't hadn't been taking them for a while. So I got back into a routine of taking a high grade multivitamin and mineral formula that I've been using for years. And when I say high grade, I don't mean high dose. I mean pharmaceutical grade. So I mean a very good quality supplement with bioavailable forms and it's all um, plant based and not synthetic. So the, the bioavailability is very good. And I did that because the research is clear that the more stress your body is under, the more stress robs nutrients from your body. And you may have heard of the term oxidative damage. I'm not going to go into the complex of the biology of that in this episode, but just to say that I knew that because of this lack of sleep and the stress, my body was using up more vitamins and minerals and what I was eating was probably not enough, so I wanted to replenish those. So that was my baseline formula was to get more vitamins and minerals into my already pretty good diet and I consulted with a naturopath to get some specific supplements for perimenopause symptoms so she gave me a formula with ashwagandha which is really really great for stress and sleep another mixture or a powder actually that contained magnesium and b vitamin and zinc And that was really great for for calming down and sleep and a herbal preparation to help with night sweats and other symptoms of menopause that I had. So it sounds like a lot, but it's actually giving your body a good hit and then you can kind of back off those 
the amount that you're taking. It's just to get you over the hurdle initially. So as a result, I got pretty rapid relief from my stress to the point that I was able to sleep better within two or three weeks. So the herbal formula really calmed down my night sweats. The ashwagandha and the magnesium B and zinc really helped me to feel calm during the day and I slept better. And then I was able to trim back on those and just stay with my multivitamin and mineral. I actually just I want to clarify there, I stopped taking the multivitamin and mineral while I was on these naturopath formulas just so that there was no interference. So it took about three weeks on the naturopathic formula to start seeing a significant shift. And then I was back onto my multis after that. So before supplements, I was waking up five to six times a night with a hot flush that would be a full body sweat, caused me to wake up and stay awake. So it's, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling where you're lying in bed and you feel like you've, you haven't slept, like you've just been lightly sleeping or almost awake all night. That's what it was like, this sense that I was just on edge waiting for something to happen and really it was the hot flush. So obviously, you know, the, the vasodilation and vasoconstriction mechanisms really shift in your body in menopause. So falling asleep at that time wasn't initially the issue. It was staying asleep and particularly at the critical time from 1 to 3 a.m. I also found that if I turned onto my left side, I would immediately break out in a sweat. So I couldn't even sleep in the same positions anymore. And lying on my back isn't that comfortable, but it seemed to be the only way I could sleep without sweating. So my sleep positions were all over the place. And that's why supplementing with those herbs was important to manage the hot flushes. And because of that, my sleep was more regular and I was able to stay asleep better and more easily fall back to sleep. So that was a bit of a puzzle. And it took me probably those initial three weeks plus about another five or six to just really get into a good cycle of managing my night sweats and my stress levels. So I could fall asleep initially and then stay asleep. The second area I tackled after that was stress and particularly my workload. Because at the time all of this was going on, we'd just been through the passing of my mother-in-law and then the bushfires. And literally a month after the bushfires were done, we we're still all going through the trauma of that and the pandemic hit. So it was a big six months prior to the pandemic for me and then that that whole thing started and of course everybody was in a panic for lots of different reasons at that time i had anticipated a downturn in workload in my two in my contracting roles and so as a result i decided to take on some new private clients and run a pilot program with them which sounds good but what actually happened was that my contracting roles didn't get quieter. They both got busier. <laughs> so suddenly I was juggling too much, the busier contract roles in addition to an uptick in my own client work. And the thing with my own client work was that it wasn't a usual sort of a program or framework I was working with, nothing set and forget, rinse and repeat. It was something new that I was developing and as you probably know, developmental work 
takes a lot more headspace and consideration to get it right. You need to have a lot of creativity for that sort of work. And I believe that creativity is the opposite of stress. I believe that when you're feeling stressed and under pressure, your ability to think creatively is compromised. I'm sure you probably agree with me if you think about it at times that you've been stressed and how creative you have or haven't been. And, you know, menopause is a layer on top of this. So going through all of this, you realise that your capacity is diminished because you have brain fog, fatigue, insomnia and anxiety. And that's what happened to me. So thinking that my work was going to decrease and the opposite happening was pretty stressful. And the people I were working with are also highly stressed because of the pandemic and the separation from families and lockdown and illness and fear and those sorts of things. So I had to reach out to both of my contract roles and talk about changing my roles to do less of the detailed stuff that doesn't light me up and that was draining, a bit less of the front-facing work with clients who are struggling and just getting clarity on what I would and wouldn't do. So that took a real load off me and I'm glad I made the decision to have those conversations, which were very easy and it allowed some staffing changes to happen in those organisations to fill the gaps. Another thing was that switching off at 5pm became a critical part of the formula for me. It was a hack that I could do that was well worth it. I was finishing my screen time at 5, which is a critical period around sunset in the late autumn and winter. Uh, and that's the time that you want to decrease your cortisol levels rather than keeping them artificially inflated with artificial light from the screen and, and your in your room. So that's a natural time of decrease in the cortisol cycle. And by switching off at 5 p.m. most days, it helped me to wind down, reduce anxiety and sleep better. I noticed that on the days that I didn't switch off at 5 or that I had night work, that I would be prone to catastrophizing and making everything seem worse or more urgent than it was. And so by lowering my workload and switching off earlier, I had time to unwind and relax and defocus so I could sleep better. And since then, I've noticed if I have to teach at night or if I watch an intense or scary movie in the evening or read a thriller novel, it actually pushes my anxiety levels up enough that I go back to the 1am wake-ups. So obviously my nervous system has a tolerance there and that 5pm switch off is really important for me at this stage of my life. One last area I want to talk about is food and drink and a fair bit of research and experimenting on my own has helped me to realise that certain things trigger night sweats or even hot flushes during the day. And those triggers for me include portion size of my meals at night, alcohol, sugar intake, and the amount of coffee that I'm drinking per day. So I want to talk about those briefly now. With portion size, I've worked out that if I eat after seven or if I have a meal that's too big, I won't fall asleep easily or stay asleep. I tend to sleep better if I've had a small serve of complex carbohydrate with plenty of veggies and a and a hand-sized serve of lean protein for dinner. So if I have that before seven and there's that small serve of complex carbs there, I'm pretty much guaranteed of a good night's sleep. 
If I have any sort of a takeaway meal or anything that's too salty or fatty or sugary or even too starchy like pizza or risotto or a higher carb meal, I'll probably wake up at an odd hour either starving hungry or with heartburn or thirsty. These are probably pretty common issues for a lot of people anyway, but I've just found that my ability or my tolerance, I suppose, of certain foods is less in terms of how they make me feel at night and how will I sleep. So that's been a good learning for me. With regard to alcohol, I mean, everyone's different and I've definitely noticed that my alcohol tolerance has decreased. Um, As a young person, I was able to drink a lot and stay asleep all night. A lot for me, that is, I'm only small, but definitely with with age and around the time of menopause, I've become more sensitive to alcohol. My oldest sister's actually almost probably intolerant or allergic to alcohol. It really upsets her stomach and I may be at risk of that myself. But at least what I've found is that if I drink champagne or certain spicy spirits like spiced rum or cinnamon whiskey or some wines, I'll probably wake up between 1 and 3 a.m. and I'll have night sweats and I'll struggle to get back to sleep and I might lay awake for three or four hours. It seems to be related to the type of alcohol and possibly the amount of sugar. In contrast to that, if I have one white wine with dinner or a white spirit like vodka or something like that or gin, I seem to be okay. But regardless of the alcohol I drink, there's definitely a link with increased sweating at night and I'd wake up at least twice a night with this and struggle to sleep again if I've had something to drink. So less alcohol is better for me and certain types are less reactive. I'm still experimenting with sugar, but I found that evening chocolate or dessert might be a trigger for poor sleep, even in the absence of alcohol or late work or other triggers. You may or may not know that if you tend to be a bit depressed, you may crave carbohydrates, and that's related to an increase in tryptophan and therefore serotonin that carbohydrates give you, which improve your mood. And that's only in the absence of protein because protein can block those pathways. I have many more experiments ahead on the macronutrients, on carbs and sugars, so I'll come back to you on that. I tend to be a fairly carb-sensitive person anyway. And what I mean by that is there are certain foods that I eat, high-carbohydrate foods, that I can't, I just feel constantly hungry during the day if I have those foods or I tend to crave sugar if I have those foods. So being that sensitive, I'm especially mindful of that at this time of my life. So I will come back to you with that. Caffeine's really interesting, and I've worked out that I can have one or two espressos per day, and I make mine with oat milk, which I really like. And if I do that, I can be okay and sleep well if I have caffeine before, say, midday or 1 o'clock. But there may be some exceptions to the rule. And one is if I've been awake since 3 a.m., if I've had a bad night's sleep and I haven't been able to get back to sleep, or if I've woken up tired and I've had a couple of coffees on an empty stomach at a time when I'm stressed, then those coffees don't help anything and I tend to have an energy peak and then a crash followed by a jittery day and or a restless or sleepless night again the next night. I remember waking up one morning after a really terrible night's sleep 
where I'd maybe only had three hours of sleep. And I had a coffee in the morning, which gave me this absolute rocket fuel boost of energy, followed by a huge crash. And I just felt listless all day. So it was a really important lesson. I think what I've learned is that I have a tipping point for caffeine and I need to be careful not to cross the tipping point. If I'm feeling a bit fragile or tired or stressed, then my capacity to cope with caffeine is lower and it can have an amplified effect on anxiety and mood and sleep and energy levels. So what I mean is I may wake in the night and have a sense of tension in my chest, which is really unpleasant. They say the optimum time to have caffeine is 60 to 90 minutes after you wake up or around about 10 in the morning. And the reason for that is that when you wake up in the morning, your cortisol levels naturally increase from sunrise onwards in response to the sunlight. And if you inject caffeine into the equation at that time, then it kind of overrides your body's natural response to by, of creating its own natural energy at that time. So you want to wake up in the morning and get sun exposure and let your body make its own cortisol rather than artificially topping it up with caffeine, I guess is the point. So what I've started doing now is I wake up in the morning and I have a rooibos tea, which is a herbal tea with no caffeine. And then I'll get up and have breakfast and then I'll have a coffee. And that's made a huge difference to me. In terms of exercise, I'm yet to do any real experimenting with exercise specifically. Just remember that good science means only experiment with one thing at a time. But for now, I want to say that I've always been someone that likes exercising in the afternoon. As a qualified personal trainer, I also know that exercise done too late can be overstimulating and may affect your ability to fall asleep or stay asleep. So I'll come back to you on this one, but I wanted to share that with you for now. In summary, at different stages of life, we all experience hormonal and physiological changes that could tilt your world on its axis. And when that happens, what used to work for you in terms of your biology and physiology might change such that you need to revisit things. And for me, with the onset of menopause, I've started experimenting with my body and biohacking to help me understand my new triggers for insomnia and anxiety. So far, I've worked out some important things about supplements, stress, food and drink, and so I'm much more aware of the nights that I am sleeping well and what's led to that. I think the real benefit of this type of experimentation is that I'm super clear on my own personal formula for a good night's sleep, and I'm following my own coaching framework to help me figure this out. So I wanted to add here that working with a coach can be super helpful because a coach can help you to work out what to experiment with and for you to stay focused for a long enough period of time in, in terms of the number of weeks to uncover your blind spots and figure out your own secret formula for healthy sleep or weight loss or stress reduction or any other challenge that you're facing. I hope that's been useful for you. And if you are looking for a coach and you need a referral, please reach out and let me know. Okay, thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. Bye for now.